Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody, and Steve, and once again joined by Elliot and Mike. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for the Liberty Block. We invite anyone listening to this podcast to join us live, whether on Zoom or by phone, and share your thoughts on the issues that we discuss. Um, good afternoon, folks. I have a confession. I was going to cancel today's show because it's such a slow news day, but I figured I'd give everybody a chance to comment on all the stuff that's not happening. So whoever wants to go first. I'll see you later then. Whoever wants to go first can raise their hand. Mike, that was you. <laughs> God, where do we start? We're, we're, we're launching this show now as uh, apparently there was a breach of the U.S. Capitol and somebody was shot. Um, so the question is, do we agree with what's going on? Uh, First of all, I did not hear somebody was shot. I didn't hear that part. Yeah, apparently there was a woman that was shot as, uh, as there was a breach. But I don't know how many people got in. I, I, I personally, I, I want to wait and find out who these people are because listen, I know from personal experience, rallies get infiltrated. So yeah, until I find out that these were Trump supporters that were at that rally, sure, then I'm going to reserve some judgment here. But uh, that's what it looks like at this stage. And personally, something that I don't condone this, at this stage anyway. Even though it was mostly peaceful? <laughs> that was a good was one. Nice. I said, if it's in social justice, then I think it's okay. Okay. So we're talking about the uh, peaceful march that Trump invited to Washington, D.C. that may or may not have gotten really out of control. And at least a certain amount of people, it looks like tens of people, at the very least, who broke through the Capitol through windows, doors, etc. So I guess the one question we can talk about is how did we get here? And obviously the question on a lot of people's mind, is this okay or is this off the charts? And it's funny, this is a... Um, macrocosm, I guess we could say, or just a much bigger example of one of the big fights going on now in New Hampshire, where they protested in front of the governor's home. And the governor, I won't say the governor, he had nothing to do with it. It was his brother, who's on the Newfields Town Council, and they passed an ordinance making it illegal to protest in front of the governor's house. Now, we're all sure it's a coincidence that the governor's brother was on that council and we're sure the governor had no influence and in no way did the governor violate the law of using his office for any type of personal gain. And a lot of the Republicans and libertarians in New Hampshire were saying, this is beyond the pale. We don't protest at people's houses. That is wrong. We should protest peacefully only at government offices. And the other side was saying, you know what, with all of our closed down businesses and all the losses we suffered, it's time to take another tactic. Now, obviously, this has gone much, much farther. So, Jody, you want to comment? I, you know, I I don't have enough information right now. I need to keep my opinion fluid. But thus far, based on the limited information I have, I, I, let me just start. I knew we were going to have violence today. I just, I don't see how it wasn't going to happen by one side or the other. Um, uh, so that doesn't surprise me, but I, and I, 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 it 
sickens me. But I am disturbed by the image of that guy sitting smirking in Pelosi's office. That's what they say. He was sitting in her office with his feet on her desk with the American flag. I find that disturbing. There was actually somebody sitting at the seat in the chamber. Basically, yeah, I was wondering who exactly rents that office. I can't remember. I want to know why. What's that? I don't, yeah, I don't know, but hi, everybody. This is Ed speaking. Um, I've got a couple of thoughts. First off, I think it's, it's noteworthy that we're recording right now. It's about 410 Eastern time. Uh, this breach of the Capitol happened within the last hour or two earlier this afternoon. And I've already seen written condemnations from Mark Levin and Laura Ingram, uh, I have not seen anybody from the Democrat side condemn uh, what happened at Josh Hawley's house earlier this week. Uh, you're comparing, you know, Steve, you, you brought up the New Hampshire legislation. Um, Democrats don't seem to have a problem going to Josh Hawley's house. Democrats don't have, seem to have a problem with somebody else having done it. Um, and I'm not saying two wrongs make a right, but I think it's worth noting the double standard that's at play. Um, we don't have enough information to know for sure what what's going on in the Capitol right now. Um, I, but I, we do know that there's that there's at least some violence. And my initial reaction upon hearing it is that I think the president has whipped our side up into a frenzy. And he could have done if he wanted violence, not that I am advocating violence, but if he thought that that this steal of an election was was worthy of, of a violent response, there were things he could have done. He could have done, there were things he could have done before the election. I mean, we've talked about some of them. You know, he could have he could have sent the military out to quell the, the protests over last summer. Um, he didn't do it. Uh, if he really truly has evidence that this is a, that there was a fraud and that there's treason going on, there are things that he could do whether violence or, or making arrests and prosecuting people, uh, he's not doing it. And he's just defaulting, in my view. He's, he's whipping us up into a frenzy. And when I say us, I'm not including myself in, in the people that are committing violence, but he's whipping our side up into, into a frenzy and, and he's making violence, if not inevitable, certainly more likely. Um, and, and I think it's irresponsible. Um, and I'm going to politely disagree or respectfully disagree. Um, I think we disagreed on this point a little bit before. Every single person in Washington is a functioning human being with their own agency. And saying that Trump whipped them up and Trump should have whipped them up and Trump should have takes away the fact that these are United States citizens, fully functioning, competent adults who made a decision to go to Washington, which, by the way, I did not. I did not get off my chair and go to Washington today. And at some point they made a decision. And I don't know how you can lay that on Trump's lap anyway. These well, are United lay... States citizens who are fed up. What Trump said or didn't say, I don't think matters. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I am not saying that Trump should be prosecuted for the crime, for the violence that, that was uh, perpetrated. Obviously the individuals who acted, acted with agency and they're responsible for their own actions. But that's not to say that that Trump doesn't influence other people and that Trump doesn't have doesn't have the power to whip people up into a frenzy. I mean, 
you in particular, Steve, are, are quick to point out how the how the media in, influences everybody and how the media whips people into a frenzy and whips, you know, and shapes public opinion. The president certainly is in a position to shape public opinion and does. Now, the media, the, the media shapes public opinion. I 100 percent agree with you. But the decision to break windows in the Capitol, I think that's a personal decision. I have no reason to believe that Trump in any way encouraged that kind of violence. And I think because what I really want people to tell me today is for those of us who believe the country was just stolen from us in a very, very brazen way. And other pundits have commented, not me, serious pundits, that if the governor of Pennsylvania would have woken up and said, you know what, guys, you're 100% right. I put a gun to everybody's head. I forced all these votes to be miscounted. Tough on you. Deal with it. We still would have said, well, you know what? It's the election. It happened. We got to let it go. What is the proper reaction to having your government stolen out from under you? What? What? Go, Just Jody. vote harder next time and we'll win next time, guys. No, you're not Jody. I called on Jody. No, I was just going to say, you know, for me, um, I've got I've got some issues with Trump. There are things that I appreciate. I certainly wish he would have won. Um, but uh, to me, this has never been about Trump. This whole this 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 most recent election has never been about Trump. I don't think it's about Trump in my gut and in my feeling. And I think for a, a lot of these people, it's not about Trump. It's about them. It's about the sanctity of their vote. It's about uh, protecting our country from the horrible things that it faces. So I don't like to say that this is this was a Trump. This was a trumped up Trump thing. I think it's it's in this the guts of the American right that some stuff needs to be explained, and it, it's been handled poorly by both sides. But I don't well, see, think I think I don't think the anger on the right can be blamed on Trump. Is what I'm trying to okay, say. Okay, but I'm asking also if everybody wants to please answer. What should be the proper response? Secession splitting is the only way. We saw again with Hawley, with Tucker Carlson, with millions of other cases. I can give you a million reasons. We cannot live with those who think we're Nazis. They want us dead. When we're out of town, they'll all bang on our doors to try to break in to kill our wife okay. and kids. Or worse. So your, view, your view is that we're not going to change the election and that the, the next step is secession. It's a valid view, agree or not. What's everybody else's view? How do you react to a stolen election? I think, well, I, I think in this particular case, secession is premature because even if we got secession the way it's talked about, we have traitors on our own side. We Our side doesn't agree. And we have to look no further than the Georgia elections from last night to see that. The Republican Party was not united at all. And if we were to, if we were to separate and all of the people that are allegedly on the right were to move into one country, we'd be at each other's throats on day one or day two. So I'm not sure that that would solve the problem too much. Um, I think you've got a lot of people in the in the Republican establishment that are that are that are on the side of the Democrats, and that would be the case whether we separated or not. If you're well, asking me what I think the proper response right now is, I think it's forming a new party and destroying the GOP as it is today because the GOP is is in the way of progress. It's speaking the of the GOP of being destroyed, breaking news: Vice President Pence has apparently unfollowed Trump on Twitter. According, to I don't him. know if that's true or if that's a spoof. I have no way of knowing. So, so let, let's leave that part. Did Trump blast him on Twitter or not? Was that a real tweet? 
I, I, yeah, that apparently was yeah, a real exactly. tweet that Trump okay, so the story depends on Twitter. Twitter. It's really hard to do a show when things are happening so incredibly fast that you can't possibly comment. But then we're all on. pretty fast too. What? But we, we don't have a choice at the moment. Um, okay, so Ed, you're also agreeing. You're saying secession's not the step at this point. I happen to agree with your point about there's many problems with it, but the election's gone, finished. There's nothing we can do about it. There was nothing we could do about it really after December 14th, honestly. Um, once the Electoral College voted, I mean, there was no way that vote was gonna get undone. Um, and, you know, just to, you know, I think Trump bears some res some responsibility here and not just for the elections in Georgia, but, you know, he was talking about voter fraud all during the campaign, right? He mentioned, right. he said all during the campaign, he was aware of it. He wouldn't promise to concede. And even after November 3rd, when we when these runoffs were set up, we all knew that there was potential fraud out there. Why didn't the Republicans in Georgia do anything about it? Forget um, about if, I, if I remember correctly, they did. They went to court. And guess who the judge was? No, that would be um, Stacey Abrams' sister who refused yes. to recuse herself. And by but the I, way, so whenever we to go court? to court, it's too early. They don't it's need to late. go to court, Steve. I'm they sorry? They didn't need to go to court. The legislature should have taken its power. It should have passed a new law. And the they, legislature doesn't give a damn. Well, so this is why I say the problem is the Republican Party right now. The Republican I agree Party. with you 100 percent. The governor is a uh, Republican. He does not care. The state attorney general, I believe, Raffensperger, does not care. That is a major, major problem. But there's nothing anyone can do. You go to the court. It's too early. It's too late. And if you would ask a judge, and exactly at what moment should I come, they'll tell you where to get off the, what do you call it? They're not going to tell you. Question. This is a political question. The legislature should have acted. The governor should have acted. Actually, That's it's not. It okay. And, and Trump should have acted prior to the election. You can't what should Trump have done with the unconstitutional election in Pennsylvania, which is undisputable that that election broke you, the Pennsylvania Constitution? He should have, last March, when Democrats started talking, sending out uh, absentee ballots en masse in violation of election laws, he should have instructed Bill Barr to bring suits for violations of the Voting Rights Act. Excuse me, who? Who? Bill Barr. Attorney Bill General. Barr was way too busy working with Durham to finally bring Comey to justice. Bill yeah, where Barr is, where is, is the, the number Durham? one worst disappointment in the history of attorney generals because he covered for everybody, even all the pundits who thought, oh, Bill Barr's here, he's on the job. We're finally gonna get some justice. He pushed it off for two and a half years. And what did he come up with? Absolutely nothing. Well, then Bill Trump Barr was nothing him. but a saboteur. Lawsuits should have been brought how? How do you bring a lawsuit? The courts would say it's too early. There's no damages. Courts do not hear cases they, before there are damages. The attorney general has the authority to enforce the Voting Rights Act. The attorney general was the one making half of these acts. The attorney generals, the attorneys general were the ones making deals with judges and making right. illegal and consent I'm orders. That the U.S. attorney general had the authority to act to correct that problem. The U.S. attorney general has the authority to bring Comey to justice but he doesn't and he won't. So the U.S. Attorney General does not care about justice. We went through a okay. year and a half and or two with sessions. Him. I'm sorry? So Trump should have fired him. 
He should have made uh, a How many can Bill he fire? Barr? There are none who will do anything. Is there anybody who believes that Bill Barr did anything to do with the entire hurricane, crossfire hurricane investigation? He indicted I mean, one guy, Kleinsmith? I'm just completely skeptical of Trump being this weak, inept person who can't control his own people. Trump, Trump wants something it is done, not possible. Okay. Well, I'm asserting 99.9% you cannot control the deep state in Washington. And this was the greatest proof. He could fire, how many people work for the federal government? It's several million, I believe. He would have had to fire several million employees because that deep state has been proven to be so entrenched. I'm just telling you, we remember when Barr came in, he was the great white savior. And many, many people, the Mark Levins and all that whole line of pundits right under Rush Limbaugh, they all said, Bill Barr is going to get to the bottom. Bill Barr is going to get to the bottom. Bill Barr is going to get to the bottom. Bill Barr did nothing. Whether he was compromised, whether he's blackmailed, whether he's just a bunch of hot air, did nothing. So yes, Trump could have fired Bill Barr and then he could have fired the next guy and the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. But nobody in Washington will stand up. So there's nothing Trump can do. Trump does not have the power to indict. He has to have an attorney general to indict. What can Trump do? I know we've had the argument before, but I got Trump news for you. Trump is responsible for the people he appoints. I mean, this is just ridiculous that he's not that he doesn't get any responsibility for the subordinates that he hires. I have news. Well, First of all, he does. Ed, Ed, he doesn't hire them. Excuse me. What Bill percentage Barr hired by the, he by the hires president? the first one or two levels of government? The next 50 levels of government are civil servants who cannot be fired for any type of insubordination whatsoever. And the fact is that there were certain things they tried to do after the election that Trump ordered his people to order certain investigations. And they said, no, they slow walked it. And they said, we're not going to bother doing it. And Trump, you, do you admit Trump cannot fire a civil servant? He can't fire a civil servant. No. OK, so therefore, Trump appoints, I believe, the first and second layers. Everything below that, the millions of federal employees are 100 percent immune to being disciplined. Presidents don't have power over the civil service. But he has plenty of power to do things, though. No, look he at, doesn't. If you look if you look back at the news sometime in October, Pompeo said that he that he couldn't release the Hillary emails prior to the election, that they had them, but they were still going through them. And Trump publicly said, I'm ready to fire him. And Pompeo came out and said, oh, no, we're working on it. We're going to get it out before the election. Now we're not only past the election, we're two weeks away from Inauguration Day. They're still not out. Trump was full of crap. No, he Trump was not full of that. crap. Trump ordered all that stuff declassified. What would you have him do? They don't listen. They do not listen. He came several times and said, I'm ordering all this stuff to be declassified. And no one declassified it. There's nothing he can do. What can he do? I, don't slap him? I don't see what he's trying to do. I mean, he, look, how many times did he say he's declassifying all that stuff? And they said they won't do it. How about if he knows what's there? How about just I'm going to I'm declassifying these emails. This is what some of the emails say. He can't declassify anything. They won't give the stuff to him. If Trump says to Bill Barr, I want those emails on my desk tomorrow. You think Bill Barr goes and gets the emails? No, he calls up his underling who calls his underling. His underling gives him the middle finger. What happens? Nothing. That's what happened. I That's why think, none of this ever changed. Trump is a, you're making Trump to be a eunuch, and I just don't think he's a eunuch. He is a eunuch. The proof is that you cannot control the deep state. That is the truth. That's you a separate see the point. issue. You can't control the deep state, but that doesn't mean that Trump is powerless and that he's some weakling that can't do anything. 
All he can do is fire the top one or two levels and he could fire one every single day. Can you show me one person in Washington who would have done what you want Trump to have him do? I wanted Trump to do it. Trump said he was the guy to do it. Why do I have Trump to find somebody else? Had, excuse me. The president does not declassify emails and put them out to the press. He orders his people to do it. Just like the president does not attack a country. Just like the president does not sign checks. He orders people to do it. If they refuse to do it, he is. I think one of the big lessons of the Trump presidency is presidents don't have power. Once we gave the civil servants all the protection we gave them, I don't remember when that was. It's a long time ago. And they openly rebel like they do now. We don't have control of the government. It's a myth. Well, presidents don't have power. I guess you're not too worried about President Biden. No, what did I just say? Did you miss part of what I just said? I just said when the civil servants decide they are not going to do what the president wants. Yes, he has absolutely no power. However, they love Biden and they will do everything he wants, just like they loved Obama and did everything he wants. But they are now in so entrenched in so many levels and they have the press covering for them that now any Republican president knows that even if he tries, the civil service will buck and say no. And what are you going to do about it? There is nothing you can do. If about that's it. the problem, Steve, then why doesn't he propose civil service reform? If that's, that's the never going to excuse me, Trump does not get to pass a law because huh? the whole Congress would laugh in his face. And you know why they would? Because we have a unionized federal workforce and he would get what? Let's see. He get Ted Cruz to lead it. Can somebody tell me why Ted Cruz was leading this election protest when he joined in weeks after Hawley and now Ted Cruz is the big hero? Ted Cruz has accomplished, tell me one thing Ted Cruz has accomplished in the Senate. So who would have backed any changes in the civil service law? Can you name 10 people in yeah, the I think all of that Congress? Bill was dead on arrival. No one would nobody would have backed it had they thought it had a prayer because the unions would have chewed him up and spit him out. You can't, it's, it, you, right. unfortunately, well, you don't, we didn't control it. You don't go from zero support to 50% plus one support in a day. You've got to make the case. You've got to explain what the problem is and show people, here's a problem. We've got these useless civil servants that are, if they were useless, it would be bad enough, but they're actually interfering with the proper functioning of your government. Why doesn't he pardon Snowden and Assange? I mean, if he wants to get out into the public view, what's going on with the deep state, how about you 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 pardon these guys who have information about it and let them- Because the deep state won't let him do it because the deep state is the most powerful force in the universe. And even if us six went to DC, the deep state would either kill us or make us one of them. That hey, is the hey, whole issue with hey, the I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question. I publicly okay. predict, and I can do that because nobody cares what my opinion is, that Trump will be prosecuted by several states. I have absolutely no doubt many people agree with that. And by the way, if he does not flee the country, Biden cannot pardon him. Everybody agrees to that. These are state charges. I have absolutely zero doubt that they will try to imprison Donald Trump. And it doesn't matter what kind of crime, show me the man, we'll show you the crime. So the more he ticked off the deep state in the press, he's literally risking his life right now. He has nowhere to go because they will find attorneys general in various states to charge him with crimes. So this is poor, all our Poor Donald Trump. He's such a, he's such a, persecuted man. He he's is a person. Ed, he's, you don't think he's going to be prosecuted? 
I do think he's going to be proxy, but you act like he's such a, like he's, he's un- incapable of defending himself and incapable of dealing with, with bad people. Nobody can defend themselves against the entire government, excuse me, who has ever successfully defended themselves against the prosecutorial powers of United States Attorney General. Remember Enron? Remember Andrew Weissman? Remember all the ridiculous prosecutions? Remember Mr. Stevens in Alaska? It is impossible to protect yourself against attorneys general when they come after you. Especially when the world is on their side. He will spend tens of millions of dollars on lawyers. But if they want to come after him, they will. And there's nothing he can do to stop it. That is not a fun thing. It's not poor Donald Trump. And by the way, they're going to come after his kids, just like they got Manafort and they got Papadopoulos and they got these other people. You think they're not going to try to to jail Eric Trump and Donald Trump and Kimberly Guilfoyle and Ivanka Trump? They're going to come after Ivanka because Ivanka will be a Democrat. Because their message, they have a very simple message. You saw that lady who just resigned from the big law firm. I posted that story. There was a lady who was on the call with uh, Raffensperger in Georgia. She was pushed out of her law firm because she was on Trump's side. The message is very simple. You dare, you dare speak up for Trump in any capacity whatsoever. And we're going to come after you and we're going to destroy your livelihood. We're going to destroy your children's livelihood and no one will ever dare again. So you can say, yeah, poor Donald Trump, but they're going to come after him with a viciousness. They're open about it. They're saying it. Their attorneys general salivating in the Southern District of New York. They can't wait to get their hands on him. And the minute he's out of office, they're going to come after him. What should he do? There is no way to defend himself. Well, what should he do now? I don't know now, but he how about if the he, country. how about he, no, let me speak. Let me finish. How about if he would have released that Durham report? Where the hell is the Durham report? How about if he prosecuted Hillary? How that about is, if he prosecuted excuse Comey? Me, Ed, you're a lawyer. The president of the United States has zero prosecutorial oh, power. All right. Barr wouldn't do it and the whole DOJ wouldn't do how it. Could, I'm serious. Can the president of the United States walk into a court and indict somebody? Of course not. Of course not. So therefore he can't. Can he go into Barr's office, break down the door and take a report that he hasn't seen? Of course not. All he can do is fire Barr. So he got rid of Barr. Now where's the report? There is no report. It's never happening. He's pow- He is powerless. Anyway, let's see. Anybody agree with me or agree with Ed? Because we're just going at it. But, but Fox just right. report, reported that Ossoff won. Yeah, I figured both won. They called it. It doesn't matter much. Look out for an article later that I just wrote that you guys can review, hopefully, please. About so I have a question. Matter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume from the silence that more people agree with Ed than agree with me. Laser, I'm still help? gathering info. I'm listening to you both. No, I'm, have- on whether the president has power, whether a Republican president. By the way, anybody remember a guy named Ronald Reagan? Anybody remember the entire second term what that was taken up by? Iran-Contra. Yeah. And he was 100% eviscerated. Okay? And they have learned after they got Nixon out of the office, they did it to Reagan. Bush lied, people died. Now they just took it up another few levels. No Republican president will dare, to use an expression that has a bad connotation, get uppity and try anything. Yes, Republican presidents don't have power. They impeached him once. They were about to impeach him again a week ago for something else, and now they want to impeach him for the Georgia call. 
I, I, that's my assertion. The president of the United States, who's a Republican, has zero power, even if he controls both houses of Congress, by the well, way. Maybe maybe Trump would have had a little more success if instead of trying to figure out a way to get the Democrats to go along, he would have recognized them as an enemy as they as they in fact are. He's been no. trying to get them on his he side. Tried, when did he, he try to get them to go along, Ed? Huh? All he did was fight with them. How about if he gets McConnell to go? How did he fight with them on that last stimulus bill? Nine hundred billion dollars, Mike. Okay, but I I understand that he's capitulated on certain things during his term. There's no question about that. But what I'm saying is, he he didn't look to really cut deals on on a lot of other things. He didn't negotiate with them. A lot of times, it was just yelling and arguing with Nancy Pelosi. And if I remember correctly, no one else. Know what and I mean? we're not on speaking terms. And by the way, his enemy was not Pelosi. His enemy was McConnell. He wasn't going to judges blocked him at every single turn. <laughs> he wasn't going to get any cooperation from them. From the Republicans. He made a couple of big mistakes. I mean, I got to say, he. you know, I don't agree with the stimulus bill again, but, you know, he, he, he politically, he was right about one thing. McConnell should have went along with the damn $2,000 Politically, they, that probably was just another nail in the coffin in this in this Georgia uh, Senate race. I mean, they're just stupid. It's like the, they're the stupid party all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we could talk about the Georgia race, but I, if you want to talk about you know Trump's actions on that, how does he go there twice in in nine weeks? I mean, Joe Biden was in Georgia for what? It's all about him. It's it's all about him. He's a narcissist. He's an egomaniac. He's okay. always been that way. He, he's undignified. He, I mean, this is this is the problem. Is part of the reason we are where we are. Sorry. Yeah. You know, for all the good he does, he's his own worst enemy. Yes, he would have done a hell of a lot better with Mitt Romney. You're right. I'm not saying that. Or Paul Ryan, that, or John McCain. We don't have anybody who's not a total 100% rhino who's ever gotten into to be nominated for president in how long? At least Trump fought a little bit. Okay, so wh- who are we getting? By the way, you saw Romney got uh, yelled at on his plane today? <laughs> yeah. Look, I- I'm not gonna sit here. I-, I-, I see other people saying they wanna blame Trump for a lot of things. There's probably some things we can blame him on, but you know, I, I'm, you know, again, he did win, and I understand that. So I think there's some qualities that he, that he has that are good, and and he's shown the way in certain respects. But his, it's it's his ego and his personality and the damn tweeting that that don't help. Okay, so I have a question for you, Mike. Whose responsibility is it to straighten out this country, Trump or you? It's the it's the people. Okay, so Trump's gone. In two weeks, Trump is gone. We'll never hear from him again. He'll be in jail somewhere. It's our <laughs> responsibility. And by the way, none of us are living up to it because none of us have the guts. And I'm going to go back to my question. What should be the reaction of normal people like us to having an election stolen? Because we don't apparently think we should rush the Capitol and break windows and make uh, congressmen lie on the floor and be scared. So what should we do? And when should we just say, oh, well, we lost. We should start preparing for the next election right now. We should start naming our enemies right now. We should start understanding the enemies within the Republican Party that we have. We should understand that the loss in Georgia is, in my opinion, not as big a deal as people think it is because 
the traitors in the Republican Party like Romney and Collins and Murkowski and and actually all, all but maybe 10 of them, they were, they're not reliable. I mean, if we had a 51-49 or 52-48 margin in the Senate, if we'd won one or two of the Georgia races, I don't think that would make a damn bit of difference on pretty much anything the Democrats are looking to propose with the exception of uh, adding new states and packing the Supreme Court. Those are big issues, those are big issues. But that's two out of a thousand issues. Look past those issues. <laughs> and, and I was, I that's was rooting. What we want at this point. I was that's rooting for the Republicans to win, huh? That's what we wanted at this point was to stop those those big crazy. And there big are a thousand things. other issues: guns, taxes, education, war, regulation. Those are two out of a thousand. It's not that big a deal. All right, Jody. We need uh, a calm voice. No, I was just going to say I. I mean, I agree with Ed on that we need to be planning that, but I hate to see the right make the same mistake they've been making for decades and fail to realize we're in a cultural battle. It's the cultural battle first. And we've lost any access to the playing field of the cultural battle. The media won't let us through. Educators won't let us through. So we can't even gain any playing ground on the most important battle to win the political battle, which is the messaging, the cultural messaging, that's really the persuadable part. So if we, I think that's where we, you know, I agree with you, Ed, but we need to figure out how to get back into winning the hearts and minds of people when we have this monumental barrier. It's, and it's not even just a barrier. They're not even just failing to let our messaging through they're they're actively distorting it on its way to the American people, which makes any attempt, in my opinion, makes any attempt to win a political battle nearly impossible. I agree. We should not be preparing for 2022 or 2024, like a lot of people are saying. We will keep losing. If you look at the, the trend and trajectory of every single state and federal election over the last 100 years, over the last 100 years or so, we've been losing ground consistently in almost every single election. I can go through Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona. They're all red, and now they're all purple or blue. North Carolina went from red to purple to blue over the last five years. Georgia went from red to blue. Uh, Virginia, West Virginia, all these states are now, are now blue. If we look at 2022, we'll lose more ground. 2024, we'll lose more ground. And we'll lose more ground in the way of losing Republicans to Democrats, but also we'll get crappy Republicans elected. Like you said, and Horowitz said, and finally, after 10 years, you guys are admitting I was right. Around 90 senators and around 400 uh, representatives are Democrats if you look at the actual voting policy, not their party registration. On policy, they vote with the Democrats almost every time, besides maybe packing the court, maybe for grandstanding sake, they'll vote against it. But we have an issue and we're going to keep losing. Don't focus on 2022 because of voter fraud or because, you know, the country just wants Democrat policies, not Republican policies. We lost. We're not popular. And That's forget about, what about started. immigration? And that, too, for another massive reason, immigration, voter fraud and the culture battle that they've won, like Jody said, they've totally beat us. We are 100 years too late. If we were talking 100 years ago, maybe we could still be even, you know, 50 50. But it's not a tie game anymore. They're up by a billion points. Let's move on and focus on saving one or two or three states. That is the only solution. I've been saying it for years. And now with the Capitol being stormed, or at least, you know, thousands of angry people being there and conservatives realizing they're screwed and have no recourse because an election was stolen from them. The only recourse is saving one or two states and withdrawing from the union. Okay, by the way, can I ask, I, go ahead, Jody. 
Well, I was going to ask, okay, rather than, I, I, I honestly don't see a way that we can win this because there's no access to the cultural battle. We've lost access. But let me just ask, Elliot, you'd brought up before uh, nullification, like nullifying states, just nullifying federal laws. Is that sort of an avenue for a sort of faux sidetracked secession is just to say, I want to make a point. It's very interesting. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to tell you what's legal or not. But I had a conversation with this, mor this morning with one of the heads of California secession. And I, one of the things I asked was, why in the world would you want to succeed when you just won the country? But his viewpoint, whether true or not, but he's got his finger somewhat on the pulse, is that since Trump has been in office, California has basically said, we're going to do what we feel like doing anyway, and we don't really care what you do in Washington. So to a very big extent, his take on California is that they have nullified the federal things they don't like. Great. And other states have. have. So the question is, will Republican states ever do it? Um, apparently, Sununu won't because he gets money. And that's the problem. Governors have to balance their budget. And the federal government steals your money and dangles it in front of governors and lets them balance their budget. And very few governors, when Daniel Horowitz's show yesterday, he called out by name five to 10 governors who are Republicans for going along with all the shutdowns and everything else. So I think nullification is a great idea. But again, you're going to have to stack resources in one state. In some senses, DeSantis is the best one. Does it seem like that's a little more realistic of course, than of course. secession? Of course. So yes and no. I think, and I'll feel this one because U.S. history is kind of my bag, but I think it depends on what you're nullifying, right? In 1832, South Carolina nullified everything from the Union because it was absolutely destroying the economy of South Carolina. That almost led to a proper civil war back in the 1830s because they were fighting the tariff of abominations and other legislation. And it all eventually worked itself out over three or four years, but it came very, very close to an all out war in the 1830s. And then essentially their secession ultimately 30 ish years later came down to much more of the same. And finally they just had enough. And since nullification was gonna lead to war, they just walked away and nobody else walked away. With that said, in the last 10 years, we've seen an amazing amount of nullification all around the United States starting with marijuana laws, for the record, possessing even the tiniest, tiniest shred of marijuana is a federal felony to this day. It's a Schedule One substance, and actually, federally speaking, the penalty for that is higher than if you have a kilo of cocaine, because cocaine has medical uses, whereas marijuana does not, according to the feds. We've seen nullification of that all over, despite the fact that it's still a very clear federal law that you can't have any of this. We've seen lots of nullification. The question is just what side it's on. So I, and not that I not that I would be at all surprised at the degree of hypocrisy with the left. But if California is doing it, I'm just saying, let them do it. And then we'll say, well, we're just doing what they're doing. You can't pick on us. for doing they have it. Balls that we don't. I agree. But I think that they can pick on us. Let's say, right. Let's no, say I know you're like right. New Hampshire, Wyoming or Alaska tomorrow. They nullify the entire National Firearms Act and they start selling bazookas at Walmart. How well do you think that'll go over? There's not a chance. <laughs> right. You're right. There's no way. Or so I said, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to disregard the extreme level of hypocrisy that the left will go on and 
Yeah. So, and I mean, that's just it. It's the cognitive dissonance is beautiful. Well, of course we can do it, but also, of course, you can't do it. Yeah. Well, it's two big issues. We don't have the guts. No governors, like you said. Wyoming, Alaska, New Hampshire sound awesome, great cowboy states. And very conservative. No governor has the spine. Not, Not even Casey Noam or DeSantis. But even if they did, like you said, the next day, the uh, ATF and FBI and DOJ would all come in and stop us from doing what we're doing. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, I've been saying for a couple of months during this show, I know not everybody, not all the participants have been here for it, that we need to have some Republican governor or governors declare their states a sanctuary to certain things. And I, I know I've suggested that if, uh, if, if a Republican governor said, suddenly said, we're a sanctuary state for the IRS and we're not gonna cooperate with our, ta our taxing authority, is not gonna cooperate with the federal taxing authority, that would get Washington's attention very quickly. Um, you know, there are other ways, there are other things that they could, that they could do, but um, I think that the sanctuary state and sanctuary city movement that the Democrats have, have paraded for the last four years uh, is, should be and, and could be a model. Um, it's not the only thing. I don't think there is any only one right way or one thing that we need to do. If there's nothing else that we take from what the left does to succeed, is that they fire on all fronts at all times. And we need to be prepared to have multiple strategies and implement them all at the same time and make the enemy have to respond in multiple places and keep them off balance. Right. So only I agree with you 100%, Ed. The only thing is we can only do it in several states. We can't do it in 50. And it's, it's not worth fighting for We have to identify two, three, four states where we have a prayer with a governor and then literally call that governor and say, we will take care of your budget problem. We will take care of your support. And if you don't go this way, we will primary you. You can't do that in 50 states. Would you agree, Ed? Why can't we primary them in all 50 states? I mean, there are, there are Republican candidates in every state for every office. Well, then our resources. We only have a finite amount of time and money and resources to donate to campaigns. Let's not dilute them by 50. Let's divide them by one or two. If we're that small of a movement, then it may be well, we are. All, then 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 maybe hope okay. is, is lost. It's not that, that small of a movement. Entirely, you, you can't run as a Republican without getting through the machine, as I've said before. So to have that kind of strength, you you really can't do that in 50 states because the Mitch McConnells and listen, every state has the kingmakers. Okay, and a lot of the counties have kingmakers, the cities have kingmakers. You can't just say, I'm going to run for office and they're going to let that happen. Not if you're for real. So that's why I don't think you could in 50 states. But I think if we did it in several states, I think we'd have a prayer. I mean, maybe I'll just be, I'll be the pessimist here. I still don't think there's a prayer. And I, 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 just don't th I don't think that it's possible to do it within the Republican Party. I think the Republican Party apparatus is so corrupt all the way to its core that the only way out of this is to have some prominent leaders like Hawley and Gates, uh, Matt Gates from Florida or Jim Jordan, uh, you know, or a bunch of them start a new party. I agree, but it has to be 100% of us in the country focusing on just a new party and only in a few states. Then we can get that party to get 40, 50, 60% of a vote in one state, maybe. If we don't all again, focus, though, we're all worried about a million projects, we're going to spread ourselves way too thin. Again, though, look at the Libertarian Party and their lack of success success yeah, in making any headway for because decades. They spread themselves too thin. They work on 50 states, city and county and state and federal elections, and they lose them all because they get 1%. If they focused all the resources on one election, maybe they could win. and make some no, money. We can talk all about the Libertarian Party, but they, the Libertarian Party's problems are that they, they have a lot of kooky positions 
They, you know, this lot, Joe Jorgensen came out in favor of Black Lives Matter. Um, well, they have a few I agree. Problems. They have a few problems. I think one of the biggest problems is that they spread themselves too thin. They have infighting, they have wackos, they have a lot of other issues that they shoot themselves in the foot with. But I think maybe the biggest issue is that they tried to win all 50 state governorships in the presidency. They don't have a trillion dollars of resources. They should, all I'm saying is choose your ammunition wisely. If you have three bullets, don't spray them all in the air stupidly all day. Okay, but the other point what Ed made is we've agreed before, a third party will never get off the ground. The only pair a third party has is to take existing politicians and get them to change parties while they're in office and rerun on the third party. Actually, if you look at states, look at individual states. don't have anybody anywhere Whereas if you could get a few people currently in Congress to move, you could possibly. Now, by the way, not to bring up the T word again, but there are many people who are saying that's what Trump should focus on doing. And there are many people who are gonna say, we've had enough of Trump and we don't want his tweets. And somebody's gonna have to decide. If Trump says, I'm gonna go for another party right now, are those of us who are tired of his tweets gonna back him or are we gonna say no? And then we split ourselves in half again. Personally, I'm tired of Trump. Huh? I said, personally, I'm tired of Trump. Okay, and that's why I'm asking. I think it depends on what kind of party he sets up. If you look at the candidates that he's endorsed, he's endorsed a lot of the rhinos that are stabbing him in the back right now. And again, it goes back to what I was saying before about making nice with Democrats. Trump thought that he could make a deal with everybody, and he doesn't seem to understand that there are some people that won't make a deal with him, and they'll just play him for, for, for what they can and stab him in the back at the end. And Trump is used to being the one who does the backstabbing. And he, he, he got in with boys that are tougher than he is in this, at least in this arena. So- And it, he's, no, he's no fiscal conservative. Nope. That, that's for sure. So how do you get, how do you build up this third party? How do you identify and put and influence people currently in office? I get the- I the, think- I think that the only way that's going to happen is naturally, and I'm actually really glad that you picked that out from what Ed said, because I would have stressed the exact same point. That is the only way. And if you look at the U.S. historically, if you look at the even the just, you know, how federalist, anti-federalist became the system we have now and through the Whig Party and all of this, it was somebody with power and support deciding to suddenly change the pin on his lapel as opposed to somebody who was not known. And that, yes, Libertarian Party has a lot of problems, but ultimately I'm with Ed 100%. And I agree with stuff that Jody and uh, Steve said that you cannot have no names. Libertarians have been trying to throw everybody at everything forever and they don't win a damn thing because nobody gives a crap or knows who these people are. Whereas I think that the only way this can happen, right? We all saw, I mean, for the first time, at least that I know of ever, we watched in the last four years, we actually saw a sitting member of the United States Congress change to an independent. We saw somebody walk out of the Republican Party, which at the time, I know Elliot and I were kind of celebrating like, holy crap, did that he actually- He became libertarian, didn't he? he? I think he's technically an independent on paper, but I believe he's registered to vote as libertarian. But he's not going to run as libertarian because he'll be laughed out of the room regardless of how many wins he has in the past. So what That's- good did that do for the LP? Nothing. In fact, Nothing. a lot of left libertarians got pissed and left, and left the party. Correct. I also think that there's a significant mistake in thinking there that he should even attempt to join the LP as opposed to a totally third party because unfortunately the Libertarian Party, and I say this as somebody who's only ever been registered to vote as a libertarian, the Libertarian Party is, as was pointed out, full of quacks and frankly some really crazy people. And I mean, if if you're trying to win a national election right now flying under that flag, 
I get why people don't want to vote for you because they might agree with you. But if your money's coming from people who are saying totally insane things like that, maybe it's okay to molest kids. <laughs> Somebody at the top of the Libertarian Party, I won't name. I, you know, this party, the smart move is to distance yourself from it. And I think that, like I was pointing out, the only prayer is actually starting a brand new party, but with already proven brand names. And the question is, does anybody else have the balls in the Senate or in the House to walk out like that? And then for four or five of them or six or seven to band together and do it. And honestly, I don't think so. I was shocked one day. And even if they started the party, didn't Ross Perot try this already? Ross Perot tried it, didn't get anywhere. Was Ross Perot wasn't a politician. The reform party. Was Ross Perot in office when he ran? No, you know, right. he, had a, he had a bit of a following, right? <laughs> no, no, but we're talking about a guy like yeah. a Rand Paul stature guy. Yeah, somebody with national name recognition and a legitimate following who's proven he for can God, win elections. wouldn't leave that for a one in a billion chance of starting a bit of a new party. Rand Paul is a senator. He's one of 100 most powerful gods in the world. I agree. It's too much risk. They would have to be pushed to an unbelievable degree. And again, I keep stressing states. If you... It's, it's more than 50 times harder to start a national party with national success and win the presidency than doing it in one state. Every state has their own parties. Did you guys know there was a country party in Wyoming? There's um, some, I'm sure there are Mormon parties in Utah. There are other parties. Every, a lot of the states have various parties. Vermont has a million parties. Uh, some states have interesting parties. Um, New York has parties that serve as, as double lines and stuff for, for fusion. But if, we, if all of us in New Hampshire even, plus a few of you guys, started a new party and focused only on New Hampshire, we might even win the governorship. But if we spread ourselves thin and try to win all 50 governorships, we're going to get zero wins. Yeah, the, problem so- with that, the problem with that is the branding. I agree. It's like the Republican brand oh, yeah. is such trash yeah. in places like New York. You don't want to go under the brand of another party that's considered, you know, way out there and wacko. And then well, some- go ahead, Jody. I was, we still face the problem, even with a new party, the, the very big and real problem of we're not in a political battle, we're in a cultural battle. And how do you get the message through that we're trying to send through? It's going to be dogged. It's going to be distorted. It's going to be denied access to the people. So we still have that problem, although I like okay. the discussion. So I, I say this half jokingly, but Daily Wire announced this week that they're starting a media company to address this issue. Anybody following that story? They said they were gonna start producing movies and shows. It's good. Dude, I've been asking for that since the very beginning of my walk away. I mean, I don't know if that's enough. That should have been the first thing on our list. We should be creating movies and media and um, comedies. We should be in on that cultural messaging game. And there are a few, you gotta look for them. You could find the Tuttle Twins for books for your kids. You could find Voluntarius Comics comic strips you can find yeah, them but, but the, those are the people who are looking you got we're, I'm, this has to come to them you can't expect them to come this has to be yeah, this course. has to be a tv show like i said where you put free market healthcare on a one-hour tv show where they have no idea that you know that's what the left has done we're getting there. We need a full split from them in the country. We need to start. Oh, by the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a confession right here publicly on TV. When I was a kid, the number one most popular show in the 19 late, I think the early 70s. Anybody want to guess what it was? I love Lucy. The Waltons. All in the family. Yeah, all in the family. That was number one show for quite a while. And I really hate to say it. 
I loved it. I thought it was unbelievably funny. That show may have done as much as any show in history to destroy this country. Why? It, it, Why? Portrayed, it portrayed the conservative as, as a bigoted racist. As a total nut, as a, a total incompetent boob. And the smart one was meathead. And I really think when you talk about culture, how subtly that changed the culture, the younger generation was smarter than the older generation. It had everything in it. Now, well, I don't know that I believe that anybody by making TV shows can change it. The other thing is to get school boards. And that is a local issue. And but I know the very few people I've ever spoken to who are on school boards got so fed up with it, they quit. So we so, have to take over school boards. I'll address two sides of that. One on the culture media aspect. I know right now I live in Ukraine. The president of Ukraine currently, the premier of Ukraine has no political experience whatsoever. The man is literally a career comedian. And every Ukrainian will swear that the machine behind him is the one who literally cast him in a comedy show as the president for several years before running him as the president because in everyone's mind, Zelensky was the president. And <laughs> holy shit, ta-da, now he's the president. Unbelievable. That's how it works. It does work. It works really well. Are you um, on the board of Burisma? <laughs> no. God, I <laughs> wish I had that much money. But <laughs> the... <laughs> Other piece, I sadly, school boards are never going to happen ever. And there are many reasons for that, but among them are teachers, the schools, all the yeah. unions involved in education and schooling who would absolutely bury somebody in the foundations underneath the new school building before they let their funding be messed with. There is no way anybody's touching that anytime soon. Well, that's where the other leadership has to come in today. I mean, we have this, we haven't even talked about COVID fascism and what's been going on. You know how the how the lockdowns are tightening, even as as Biden is is not even elect, not even inaugurated yet. Well, that's because he's the Republicans doing it. Office of the president elect. So correct, right? Republicans are doing it. But somebody on our side needs to stand up and say, you know what? If if we don't need to have our kids back in school, if the teachers unions are so strident about keeping the schools closed, keep them closed. Let's keep them closed permanently. Let's return your property taxes to you. And there are ways, I've been saying that also on this show for, for several months. There are things that we can do to turn this around, but we need the right messenger to, to, to say those things. You know, Trump said a lot of good things, but he said a lot of stupid things too. And, um, you know, I don't know, you know, he's, he wasn't the right messenger for a lot of messages. I'll just say that. Tom, hi, Tom. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good. Welcome. Thank you. Finally got on. Fire <laughs> away. Yeah. I'm um, just having a good time listening to you guys talk. I totally agree with everything. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's really hard not to think that, that the country is really lost here, not just because of what happened today and the last month or two, but uh, when you take it all into account, from my perspective, I mean, they got a grip on this country. I, I don't know how to break it. Uh, I'm with Elliot. We need to take one state and we need to get out of this country and start our own uh, country separately. But I don't know how to do that when Texas is practically half blue already. Well, every state is half blue, as you correctly identify in your book. But the city centers are blue and every state has some, some cities. I know. I'd love to take Texas, 
get get the blue parts out you know let the dallas and houston and austin be separate from texas and just say you guys you guys are part of the united states but we're going to go you have our any own questions way. for tom about his book the, the two-state solution if you read it i i have not yet read it but i believe this is what we were discussing the other day and by the yeah. way texas could split but i don't know that they're interested in doing that yeah they're they're, they're not the i need even when it comes up, look what happens to Alan West and and uh, anybody at a high level of government even says the S word and they get slammed and, and, and nobody, me personally, I would double down. I would come back and say, okay, you guys don't like it. Let's have a chat about it. Let's talk about it. You know, and if you don't want to talk about it, then bye-bye. We're, we're going to see you later. But I just joined the Texas National Movement and um, making contributions. But I see under 400,000 people in that organization. And I listened to the interview you guys had with him. It was brilliant. It was wonderful. I, I love that guy. He's so well-spoken. Uh, he's got all the facts. But uh, under 400,000 people in the movement, and there's how many million people in Texas? Uh, I don't know. Well, what Tom, Tom, what do you think about sort of the, the whole sort of covert separation by doing it through nullification federal laws doing it a little more covertly slowly i don't know enough about it i can't say look the the, the constitution in my view allows for nullification if there's if a law is passed and it's not via an enumerated power then the states can nullify it and they should be nullifying laws but the question becomes of the will to do that. And as we discussed earlier, the federal government, everything's inverted right now. We have a federal government that has way too much power. The states don't have as much as they should. And, and the federal government controls purse strings and dangles that money before the states. And as long as they're taking it, they're, they're not in a position to start saying, well, we're going to just nullify this and nullify that. that I, I think that's that. the problem. I agree. Nullification is definitely in the Constitution. Uh, Ed, you would probably know, and you can't correct me. I want to say McCullough versus Maryland. John Marshall very, very explicitly wrote, uh, I believe the exact words are, a law repugnant to the Constitution is void. We're supposed to be nullifying these. Unfortunately, that was, what, 217 years ago or something? And it turns out we just haven't actually done that at all until the last 10 years when it was convenient. Such McCullough as versus Maryland was, uh, was the state bank case, I believe. And I think the, the famous quote out of that case- Marbury versus Madison. The power to tax is the power to destroy. Yes, then I'm thinking of Marbury versus Madison. I think that that quote does come from Marbury versus Madison. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a shame because the states do have the will to do it. New Hampshire does have the will to nullify all federal laws. The problem is the blue parts like Manchester, Keene, Concord, Portsmouth um, make us a much more prayerful electorate. So we don't have the guts, but- like I was asking the Tom, how can we get rid of the blue? Um, and again, I'm not gonna say what AOC said about concentration camps or killing the other supporters, but can we kindly ask them to move to Massachusetts and trade with Massachusetts <laughs> for those who love liberty to come to New Hampshire? That's actually the cleanest way to do all of this. And then New Hampshire can separate. We'll all be happy and together and pretty much on the same page, liking freedom. Those who are Marxists can go to Massachusetts and everyone's happy. Like it. Well, when you kindly ask them, will they kindly leave? So, uh, go ahead. Not easy, but but that that's easier than what's the alternative now? They're still over the capital. Everyone's going to kill each other. Everyone hates each other. That's not good either. The only the the 
easiest or best, most simple solution might be to have or encourage or you know make some kind of um, a trading program where people from Massachusetts who would love to live in New Hampshire can trade places with those who live in New Hampshire who would love to live in Massachusetts. Well, my, my question was going to go to Ed. Is it is it time to go on strike? No, I don't. I mean, depends on what you mean by go on strike. But I think that productive work is the way we sustain ourselves spiritually. I mean, forget about what you're producing for society. Nobody is going to be able to live a, a good, happy life if you're just on strike all the time. I think that you, everyone needs to find productive work, productive relationships, and you know, just you know, be as be active. I mean, life is is a series of of sustain, self sustaining action. The key being action. So, I, I, if you be going on strike is sort of inaction, and it leads to the same kind of uh, uh, well inaction that we're that that is paralyzing us today. Not strike, but what about going gulf and finding a new gulf gulf and all being productive for each other and starving the federal government looters and parasites of our productivity? I mean, I couldn't. I I, I don't disagree. You know, that would be fine with me, but. You know, for me, I would say let's do let's do the sanctuary state, sanctuary city thing first, which is along those lines. Um, you know, in order to create a Galt's Gulch, are we going to create our own army? Are we going to create our own new state militia? I mean, what? How are we going to enforce it? These are the discussions we have to have. Can I ask a stupid question? What's Galt's Gulch? You need to read Atlas Shrugged. I know I haven't. I'm sorry. So for yeah. listeners who might not have, what is it? It would be a spoiler. <laughs> Ed, you're you're the Ayn Rand ex expert. Do you want to explain Gold's Gulch? Gold's Gulch is a place where the productive people go to separate themselves from the looters and the parasites and the rest of the society, and they they make a deal with each other that they're not going to deal that none of the deals they make within their community are going to be brought outside the community. And it's just its own little private enclave. That's right. But how does it work? Why is it protected? Oh, it's protected by this uh, invisible force field shield that uh, prevents people from being able to see it from the outside. Is that like yeah, the deep state then? Well, it's in a place in the Rockies that's super duper high up and hard to find and so cloudy that you actually can't find it from on top with planes. So it is pretty hard to find. It's a valley in the mountains in the Rockies where it's so cloudy and foggy all the time. No, you literally can't see it unless you know the coordinates. You know, by the way, since we're, we're back to Atlas Shrugged, which um, I did not, I think I did read the book, but I've listened to the Audible three times, another 12, I actually remember some of it. But in, in that book, you had, what was his name? Ranshaw, what was the guy's name? Who? Ragnar? No, the guy, the pirate. Ragnar. It wasn't Ragnar. Ragnar Danixgold. Ragnar Danixgold was the pirate. Ragnar? I know it was with an R and an A. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't necessarily agree Donald with his or something. ways. His ways were slightly more violent and confrontive than the ways of, let's say, John Galt and uh, Francisco. But they seem to have come to terms with, that's not my style, but there is a place for forceful action. And I think that's part of what we're arguing about here today is which forceful action is there a place for? I also want to mention there's that famous line that I always butcher about if you're going to assassinate the king, you got to kill him with the first shot. And the fact is what happened in the capital today probably is going to have some really negative reverberations 
of, oh my God, these people aren't peaceful. Now we really need to take their guns. And I'm not sure where that's going to land. So if you're not going to deal a death blow, this may come back to hurt us. Well, we can always point to the national concealed carry that Trump got passed. Well, somebody else just thought, <laughs> somebody else just proposed that one today. Um, but again, I know some of the cynics as part of this group believe no one ever proposes a law that they think yeah. is fair, they do it to grandstand. I think Thomas Massey might actually have a libertarian bone in his body and might actually support gun rights, maybe. And by the way, we've talked about it. The, the Reciprocity Act for carrying is very tough for those of us who believe in states' rights. And how would that work? How, how long can I be in your state? The supremacy clause, blah, blah, federal law. It's, right. it's actually a really law. tough issue. It's in the US Constitution. Supremacy or some crap, right, Ed? Article six. Right. Yeah, article six, there you go. So that's kind of where I'm at. If it's going to be in the Constitution, then it is protected at all state levels. It's one of the rights. The Bill of Rights are the rights that nobody can take away from you. It's not a matter of, they're not privileges. They're but again, rights. it's not worth wasting time. I've written articles and done videos. Concealed carry reciprocity nationwide. Gonna Zero okay. chance. I will gonna eat my own head with my own butt on live TV if it happens. Zero chance. Literally, it's higher likelihood that Laser is elected president of the U.S. Um, even though it's probably legally I accept your nomination. No chance of happening. The Senate, the Republicans killed it so quickly, you never even heard about it. The Republicans killed it. Don Cornyn, Republican assistant leader, I think, of the Senate, killed the bill so quickly. Yes, you were. It's never going to happen, ever. So, um, for our North Carolina correspondent, what's the gun law down there? Uh, I'm still researching it. I, I'll give you a report when I know better. Okay, I know in New York they recently published again. It's basically absolutely impossible. But um, so New Hampshire's New constitutional State. carry, right? Yeah, we yes. have no laws. No and Wyoming was the same as New Hampshire. Constitutional carry, pretty much no laws except you're not allowed to wear your gun into a school. Otherwise, it's only federal laws. So no bazookas, sadly. Still. And in New Mexico was only open or something. New Mexico is open carry without a license. To conceal carry, you do need a license, and they do have other laws. Yeah, and who most knows? Most of the United States, once you cross to the West, most of Central United States is open carry without a license at the very least. And I believe there's, Alu, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say there are 11 or 13 states have constitutional carry now. Seven By the way, um, we didn't mention uh, Lauren Bobert, however she pronounces her name. No, Bobert, she's her. the bomb. Is she going to win that fight to carry in Washington, D.C.? And that's going to I think she will at least genuinely go down fighting if she goes down. I mean, her, her restaurant out in Colorado has taken a lot of crap for a lot of years because literally the waiters and waitresses are walking around open carrying weapons. They invite you. They ask you to show up wearing your weapon. It is the most shameless little building full of firearms in the entire West. Is everybody saying. familiar with her? So, laser, explain who she is. Uh, Lauren Bober is a woman who, until maybe about a year and a half ago, was not any big deal. She'd been in the local news, maybe. Uh, she and her family run a restaurant in Tiny Tiny Rifle, Colorado, which is in the Western Mountains off I-70, right near Utah. And literally, they're, uh, what's it called, Alu? Shooters or something like that? Shooters Grill, Shooters Bar and Grill, something like that. They literally, as part of the uniform for the waitresses, the everybody 
they're wearing firearms openly. They ask you to show up openly wearing your firearms. They're in there every day openly wearing their firearms. How often are they robbed? Uh, I would go ahead and venture to guess not any times. <laughs> but that she is- She's on so for Congress and she won. And she's yeah. insisting she's going to carry her firearm around Washington, D.C. and in the Capitol. Now, before home rule, I assume it was legal to carry in D.C.? Anybody know? I have no idea. I do know that the rules are very different for Congress people inside the actual building. They are actually allowed to carry in the building. But not in the city because the mayor of Washington Correct. can overrule federal law or something. Correct. So even a sitting member of Congress who is legally allowed to carry their firearm in the building must transport it to and from the building, unloaded and locked in separate cases. And that's Courtesy. what she's fighting though, right? Yes. And I'm curious if she's going to have a prayer. But what I'm I, curious to see is who in Congress who claims they're pro-gun. Uh, remember, some people claim they're pro-gun in Congress and they made the uh, Freedom Caucus. Thomas Massey, I think, left them because they weren't that pro-freedom. And he started the Second Amendment Caucus, which he's the chair of. So Thomas Massey is the chair of the Second Amendment Caucus. I don't know if anyone else is in the caucus. Um, but I'm curious, will Massey, will someone else, will Gates, um, will others from Colorado, who will support her and what will they do? If she can get half of Congress to support her, maybe the D.C. police people back down, maybe. But if no one else supports her and hang her out to try, that would be tough for her. I think she'll have the support of maybe Massey and maybe one or two others, but it's not going to be enough. And I do think that it's eventually going to come to a head and she will eventually lose. But I think she's going okay, to- Okay, I'm going to, I have to stop this conversation right now. Um, you just were, you just used a triggering word over and over. It's been ruled illegal inside the Capitol building. <laughs> use the she word. And we're not allowed I to meant, use the she I meant Gishkler. Daughter, son, father, I'm sure everybody's heard of this. You can't say father, mother, grandfather, grandmother, brother, sister. In the, I believe it's within the Capitol. I'm not sure if it's in all the, the rules. Yeah. Did the bill pa did the rule pass or not? The rule passed to the best of my knowledge. I'm not sure as it involves all the bills that they write. I'm not exactly sure, but we, we're not supposed to be saying things like she. Do you all remember where that originated? Objection. Objection. Where did it originate? The that originated, I believe, under Schwarzenegger in California when schools were told not to be saying mother and father to their kindergartners. Really? In the 90s? No, 90s. Jesus, when was, dude. When was Schwarzenegger governor? He was, in the two, he was during the Bush administration. Yeah. This is later Bush, I believe. But that's where California did this in schools. They had to stop using mother and father. And this a lot of us said back then that this will roll out eventually and it'll be illegal to use mom and dad. And wow, holy crap, it's happening. Well, it starts in the House rules and soon it'll be federal law. Right. This is why I support California secession. Go tell Marcus you want to help him. He wants your help. Go help him. Well, as I told California secession, I'd be happy to help you fall into the ocean. <laughs> and I, th I think they'd be happy with that as well. Okay, um, this has been a wonderful spirited discussion. So I'm gonna give everybody a chance to get their last licks in. Tom, would you like to say anything? No, I'll pass, but thanks. You're gonna check to your right. Um, Jody? I just wanted to say something funny since you know we could all use a laugh. And maybe it's not funny, but it was funny to me. Laser was talking about a, you know, the the place in uh, Colorado and what it called shooters. Maybe it's the, a new play on Hooters. It just depends. It's a matter of what weapon you're brandishing. <laughs> Ooh. Come on, it was funny, right? Beyond funny. <laughs> <laughs>
beyond funny. And by the way, I was going for appendix. That would be interesting. Perfect. I mean, when you're in a city called Rifle, but that that is interesting. We should we should ask. And I'm not sure what's going to happen to that restaurant now that she's in D.C. I think her husband runs it. I think her family is going to keep running it. It's a pretty popular place. Yeah. And those of us who are married wouldn't be allowed to go in there anyway. Mike, would you like to comment? Well, uh, God, I mean, you know, we're sitting here and having a good discussion, but the reality has to set into that these Senate seats are gone. And it's um, it's scary <laughs> about what we're looking at over the next two years. And, and I think the Democrats have learned some lessons from the past, you know, when uh, Obama had majorities when he first came in, they, they gave us Obamacare and that was bad enough. But um, the agenda is far worse this time. And, you know, I had somebody on Facebook say something like, you know, you know, on, on the right, we'll be, we'll be okay. We always are. I said, you know what? We always say that to ourselves. We, we rationalize it away. But the reality is I think they're going to go crazy over the next two years to jam in everything they can. And I, I think when we look at history and the cycles, I, I suspect that the Republicans will come back strong in two years. I don't know if it'll be 94-esque or 2010-esque, uh, but I, I expect Republicans will come back strong after seeing the radicals in charge. But I think it'll be too late in a lot of respects. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I can't help but be really troubled and concerned about what we're looking at and we're really helpless to stop it in a lot of ways. So. Jody, can you get another joke in there before we all? <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, no, I'm not that good on my feet. Sorry to throw the wet blanket on, but that's I'll be the optimist. Okay, Ed? Well, let me just start by saying, I think that um, the, the, the death and disability watch for Joe Biden should start. And not that I'm rooting for anything, not that I'm inciting anyone to violence, but if you look at section two of the 25th amendment, uh, if Biden is removed, if he dies in office or if he becomes disabled and Kamala Harris becomes president, the vice presidency would be filled by a nomination from the president that has to be confirmed by majorities of both the House and the Senate. And once Kamala is no longer the vice president, she doesn't break ties. And if the Republicans are serious about stopping the agenda, uh, that would be the best thing that could happen because they could just block, if they voted 50 to block any vice presidential nominee, uh, they could they could keep a 50-50 Senate and the de the set the, the uh, the Democrats would then need to get Republic, at least one Republican on every piece of legislation. Now, as I said earlier in this particular show, I don't think that's going to be all that hard on most of the things that they want. Uh, but on the big things like DC statehood and Puerto Rico statehood and um, uh, packing the Supreme Court, uh, I don't think they could get even one Republican. I don't even think Romney or, or Collins or or any of the other squishes in the Republican Party would go for that. Um, so, you know, I hate to sound like I'm rooting for somebody to, to have bad thing happen to them, but politically speaking, that's that's something to look forward to. If if Harris ever gets elevated to the presidency, the Republicans can block her her from appointing a successor to the vice presidency, and thereby create you know prevent them from getting a tie breaking vote in the Senate. Um, I don't think that the losses in Georgia are good, but I don't think they're apocalyptic either. Um, I think that 
the Republican Party needs to do some soul searching. I think that the people on our side need to do soul searching. We need to figure out who our friends are and who our enemies are, both on the left and both on the right. And if we're gonna if we're gonna fight on in 2022 and 2024 and beyond, we need to know who our, who our friends are and who our enemies are. Um, and I think that uh, Trump. Well, now, is I'm sorry. I'm sorry? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I feel like we kind of know that already. Don't we? I don't think we do. I don't think we do. And I think, I mean, even, you know, even a guy like Trump, I think is a mixed bag. I think he's more good than bad. But, um, you know, when I look at the fanatical supporters that are storming the Capitol and are marching in Washington for him, I, I totally understand it. I, I was I, I was and still am a, a big support, Trump supporter. I wanted him to win if there was some way he could overturn this election legally, I would be all for it. Uh, but all, but that said, he was not a perfect candidate. He was not a perfect president. He did a lot of things wrong. He ran a really awful campaign. And, you know, there are things that we can learn from it. And, you know, and even some of the things that he did, that he advocated correctly, like for instance, his attacks on the press, his attacks on section 230, uh, his attacks on, on libel laws all correct positions, but every time he said them, I couldn't help but remember how he, how he accused Rafael Cruz of being part of the Kennedy assassination. Trump took advantage of those laws just as much, you know, those, those uh, laws in the same way that the, the, the corrupt media does today. So in, in some respects, he was the wrong messenger speaking the right message. And we need to get, make sure that we not only get the right message, but the right messenger going forward. And that's just going to that's just something we're going to have to do, you know, by vetting candidates and by, you know, hopefully not making compromises in the future. I mean, Trump was a you know, he was a good guy. And I, I feel I feel like we made a Faustian bargain with him, or at least I feel like I made a Faustian bargain with him. I knew that he had some flaws. I didn't even vote for him the first time, but I watched him during his first six months, 12 months in office. I said, wow, this guy is doing some really good things. And. I got behind him and I, like I said, I still am behind him, but I've always known that he's a deeply flawed man and a deeply flawed candidate. And, you know, the devil has come to collect on his debt. And right now, uh, you know, I, I'm disappointed with the way he conducted himself between November 3rd and January 5th. I said on this program many times that he was depressing turnout in Georgia. Um, I don't want to lay it all on him. I think that the, you know, I think that the, Georgia governor and Georgia legislature and Georgia secretary of state all bear plenty of responsibility for what happened. Um, but Trump bears some responsibility too. And, you know, there, there are no gods on our side and there are no gods period. We need to be willing to be objective and honest in, in assessing who, who we're dealing with. And, you know, just because we disagree with someone or somebody does something that's wrong, just because I disagree with Trump on certain things, doesn't mean I've put him in the enemy camp. But it does mean we have to be honest about it and not paper over, uh, you know, what what the flaws were and what the problems were. And you know, we can't just go forward saying, "Oh, this was a stolen election," and pretend like Trump didn't give reasons for people not to vote for him. I mean, I don't think that the I think I don't think that the reasons he gave people not to vote for him were alter, were, were dispositive by themselves. But uh, he he didn't defend his people from COVID fascism. I mean, 
we've been locked down now for 10 months now, almost 10 months. And he went along with it at the beginning and he's never really done anything to, to undo it. And in fact, he signed, he signed multiple stimulus bills that are just under a trillion dollars, including this last one that was just outrageous. He'd already lost the election and yet he's still signing a 900 plus billion, trillion dollar bill for, for what purpose I can't understand other than to help fund more lockdowns for the next six to 12 months. So I think that we've got to be honest about what we're dealing with and we've got to be willing to, to criticize our own guys if need be. And, and I know that there's a circular firing squad sometimes on our side, but um, I think there's also some worship of false idols on our side. And I don't think either one is helpful. So let's, let's uh, start the Biden, uh, the Biden departure watch and let's see when he goes and, and hopefully the Republicans will be able to unite and, keep the vice presidency vacant and uh, that'll, that'll nullify the, the results in Georgia from, from last night. And really quickly, because I was talking to Alu about this literally just a matter of hours ago, as a, a procedural question, is there any limit to how long they can keep that vice presidency vacant for, or is there any ramification directly to keeping that vacant for ever, if that's within the rules? I don't know what the rule is. Who if is they, the they? Uh, let's say Congress, right? So if we have a 50-50 tie, right? Kamala Harris picks her vice president, the House, the Senate, oh, fantastic, whatever. If they're at 50-50, is there any procedure in place for a tie break or can they just hold that until forever? I don't think so. I think, I mean, if you read section two of the 25th amendment, it says that the, pre the president would nominate uh, a vice president and that person would become vice president upon confirmation by majority of the House and the Senate. I'm right. paraphrasing. The judge in the Ninth Circuit just ruled that the Senate only has 23 days to confirm a vice president. The judge said it. It's law. Really? Said probably it? right. Or did you make that up? No, he just made that up. He's just telling you the news as you'll hear it in two years from now. <laughs> but man, you bought that fast. So that's, I, I kind of agree because I'm curious. I can't imagine were that to happen because I see it not realizing that, and I think that's a very good point. I was, I mean, I think it does happen. Maybe I'm the conspiracy theorist here. As a medical clinician, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that Joe Biden has diagnosed dementia because there's no way in hell any physician would let him walk out of his office without that diagnosis. There's not even a question. It's been wildly overt for two years. The man is, I, he's clearly just, his mind is gone. Sure, he has his moments where he's totally lucid and then he suns down, he sundowns like everybody else and just says insane things or completely loses his train of thought. It, it You're just a dog faced pony soldier, man. It, dog that's one of my favorite distances of all time. I, dog faced pony soldier. That's right. But he definitely has dementia. And I I personally think that there's a very clear desire to establish him because he was a much more marketable candidate than Kamala Harris, who was tossed aside in 10 seconds when she first announced she was running for president. There's no way in hell they could ever actually get her to win an election unless they run her with the very palatable, moderate, old, white establishment Democrat, Joe Biden. I think in 24 months, they go, oh no, he just got a diagnosis of dementia. And then they get him on a good day. He stands up on a dais and he says, I really want to spend my final years with my family. I'm going to resign the presidency. I'm leaving it at great hands. I think this is absolutely happening. Now, here's where I disagree with Laser and Ed. When Kamala Harris is elevated to president, 
and nominates Elizabeth Warren, the communist, as vice president, she'll get 90 to 95 votes in the Senate confirming her because there are 90 to 95 Democrats in the Senate. So again, I, I can't believe we allowed two optimists on this call. Um, it's an outrage that we allowed so many optimists here, but I, I believe that the Democrats have around 90 to 95 senators. So you saying 50, 50, 51, 52. Again, I've been saying for years, and Al Horowitz agrees with me and some others agree with me now, but I don't think we have you know, 50 or 40, 52. I think it's around 95 support Elizabeth Warren type communism. Well, I hear you on that. And, and if that's the case, then what happened in Georgia doesn't really matter. And that's what I, I was going to say in my concluding statement. Yeah, then there's no point. Well, right, because they, they'll say elections have consequences, just like when they run somebody for the Supreme Court, they win 92 to 3. And when we run somebody, we squeak out of 51 to 49. Well, I'm sorry Laser said that because I was actually really excited. What Ed said was a good reason to uh, never let Kamala Harris ascend to the presidency. What, what they, happens with her Senate seat? There would she be a special What is it? They appoint a replacement? Depends on the state. The governor would either appoint a replacement or the voters would vote in a special election within a few months. So what is it, Ed, do you know California specifically? I do not know California specifically. But either way, it'll be a communist. It doesn't matter much. Yeah, I mean, it's California. It's not like there's another direction. She's apparently very unpopular in California, from what I hear. Well, yeah. I can't imagine why. How can unpopular politicians consistently win? Oh, that's our latest article. Check out Liberty. Okay, Podcast. we're not we're not going there. <laughs> Let's wrap up for today. I think there was some fantastic points made. Um, personally, I enjoyed the discussion. I want to thank everybody for being here. Again, this podcast will be up within about a half an hour. As always, people are welcome to join us and get involved in the discussion if they so choose. So have a wonderful day. And remember Jody's joke. It'll put a smile on your face. Shooters. Thank you. Have a good day, everybody. <laughs> Happy New Year.